a backup quarterback has chosen to lead a Texas football team to victory after the star quarterback is injured. This is Ryan. And this is Ashley. And this is ruining our childhood. That's true. You didn't do it with me this time. A weekly podcast where we remove our childhood goggles and put on our adult bifocals to rewatch and review our favorite movies from the past. That is this podcast. Yes. And yeah, we're just a married couple, if this is your first time listening, Mm -hmm. that has a lot of movies, has collected tons of movies together and apart before we were together. Yeah. We had quite the movie collection. Definitely. I do remember, I don't know if we've ever talked about this, but I do remember when we moved in together for the first time and we had doubles. Yes. For the longest time. Yes, we did. At least 10 movies where there were doubles. Yeah. And then we sold them in a garage sale. Yeah. Which was fun. I remember the first time I saw your movie collection, that was something I was thinking. I was like, oh, we have a lot of the same movies. Look at us. Is that when you fell in love with me? No. That's awkward. So anyway, (laughs) this week we're doing the 1999 classic Varsity Blues, starring James Vanderbeek. Correct. And I'm trying not to look at the rest of the cast. I remember some people Mm -hmm. because the parts of the movie I remember are very vivid, but I also did not realize what the premise of this movie was until I just read it. That's how long it's been since I've seen this movie. Yeah, it's been a while for me, too. I would say I saw it maybe in high school the last time I saw it. Okay. So it's been a quite a few years. Go ahead and hit us with some 1999 facts. The movie was released on January 15th of 1999. It had a budget of $16 million and grossed only $54.3 million, which I was a little surprised. I thought it had been a bigger hit. Popular TV shows were Touched by an Angel, Law and Order, and Everybody Loves Raymond. The number one song for the week the movie came out was R. Kelly and Celine Dion, I'm Your Angel. Other popular songs were Monica, Angel of Mine, and Share, Believe. A lot of angels and believing. Oh, yeah. Popular movies included The Mummy, Runaway Bride, and Blair Witch Project. So we've obviously done a couple movies from this year. Yes. Our very first episode, American Pie, was 1999. Mm Mm-hmm. This movie is, I think it's categorized as the same, like the teen comedy, but I want to say it's a little darker. Yeah, I would definitely wouldn't call it a comedy, but yeah, it was in that genre. Yeah, of good 90s teen flicks. Realize what an impression 1999 made on me as far as like movies when we're trying to think of a movie to do for our podcast. Somehow we end up on that year quite a bit. That's true. Yeah. Very true. So what do you remember most about this movie or your earliest memory of this movie? I didn't see it in theaters. I want to say some of my friends went to go see it, but I was maybe sick or something or my parents just didn't want to give me money to go. But I remember watching it. I think MTV had to do something with the promotion. And I feel like they ran a lot of commercials and co-promotions. So it was a movie I was very aware of, but I didn't see it until it came out on VHS, which I bought it on VHS. Oh, wow. Yeah. Bought it without seeing it first? 
I think I maybe we watched it like as a group of friends at someone's house and then I liked it and bought it on VHS maybe like the next year or something. I, I say this a lot, but I have watched a lot of movies with my brother, but I for some reason I vividly remember us renting this on a Tuesday when it came out. Oh. Like the video store in our grocery store mm-hmm. hadn't even put it out yet. And my brother and me went there and asked for it. I don't know what when it came out. I don't know if I was skipping school if we didn't have school. <laughs> I just know I wasn't at school. Well, it came out in January, so maybe it was, it was right summer. at the beginning of the summer. Maybe it came out. I don't know. I just know we went back home, watched it. Mm-hmm. My brother was a football player in high school, so I think this movie kind of resonated with him or at least caught his interest. Yeah. And... Yeah, growing up in a small town where football was very, very important, this was kind of online with what our lives were a little bit, yeah. I guess. But I, I honestly, the only thing I remember from this movie is James Vanderbeek being a little bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. He's probably not being a little bitch. And then uh, Allie Larder in a whipped cream bikini. You know, what's funny is I forgot about that. Until oh, we were talking oh. about doing this movie for our podcast the other day. And you're like, yeah, the girls in the whipped cream bikini. I can tell you it made an impression on me when I was 14 or 15 years old. Totally forgot about it. Girls the are other not going to do that. No. That, this movie gave that unrealistic expectation that girls are just going to surprise you with. Yeah. Nope. Even not girls you're not even remotely interested in. Yeah. I don't remember like right when I saw this, but it seemed like. It was a movie that everyone was talking about at school. Yeah. So I felt like I needed to see it the minute I could when it came out on VHS. You're really showing your age. Uh, Yes, I am. On VHS. Yes. So do you think this movie will hold up? I'm going to say yes, because I felt like it wasn't so much of a comedy as there was a lot of drama. Whereas I feel like some of the teen comedies don't hold up because the jokes are dated and stuff like that that they rely on, but I felt like this was more of a, like I said, a drama, so I think it's going to hold up better. I am going to say it doesn't hold up for almost the same reason, because I think this movie wants to be a drama, and I don't know if it's like that melodramatic 90s, Mm -hmm. where, I don't know, I'll use like Seventh Heaven as an example, where everything was really serious, and but then it was, you're watching it now and it's super cheesy and yeah. everybody's over dramatic about everything. I'm afraid this movie will fall into that category, so I think it won't hold up for that reason. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll see, I guess. Now that you say that, I'm still staying with my it's going to hold up, but I will 100% not be surprised if it doesn't hold up. Right. Yeah. Also, you can, if you are interested in watching Varsity Blues, Again, or for the first time, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, it is available on Amazon Prime Video and Hulu. Oh, okay. So there's two different places. Also, you can rent it if you don't have either of those things. Or maybe you own it. On VHS still. Yeah. Bust or, out the VCR. Or DVD. Yeah. They probably made it on DVD. I would assume so. Should we go ahead and... Hit the pausey pause. And go watch this piece. <laughs> piece of amazing 1999 cinema. Did you just turn into a robot for a second? Yeah. 1999. Yeah, the 1999 did not roll off the tongue. Yeah. Good times. Okay, we'll be right back. Okay, and we're back. We just finished watching Varsity Blues. 
and we're going to go ahead and break down our movie. Like we always do. Yeah. And first thing we're going to do is do our category called Well Hello There, where we talk about any cameos of famous or recognizable actors or actresses that we forgot were in the film. And there was quite a few. There was quite a few. Yes. Who did you notice? The first person I kind of forgot was in the movie was Paul Walker, Mm -hmm. plays Lance Harbour, the star quarterback at Mm -hmm. the beginning of the movie. And of course, Paul Walker's most notably known for Fast and the Furious, Mm -hmm. and he passed away a couple years ago. But he was one of my first crushes when I was in high school where the person had blonde hair, because I I do like brown heads. He is an exceptionally good looking man. He is. He fits the star quarterback look perfectly. Yeah. So who did you notice? Uh, I noticed Scott Kahn, who mm-hmm. is also Tom Haverford's favorite actor, as we all know. Uh, he played Charlie Tweeter, and I believe this is the first thing that I remember Scott Kahn from. Oh, really? Yeah. That's the, probably true. Then I know like he started popping up in the Oceans movies, and obviously he's on Hawaii Five-0 and has been in a ton of stuff, but this was kind of what I remember him getting his start in. Yeah. Uh, the next person was John Voight who Mm -hmm. plays Coach Kilmer, and obviously John Voight's in a bunch of different things. He's been acting for a thousand years and continues to act. Yes. If you don't know who John Voight is, you probably shouldn't be listening to a movie podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Because you've probably seen a movie with him in it. Yes. I assume. I would hope. He works a lot. He's probably been an actor for, I would say, close to 50 years. And like you said, he has an extremely famous daughter. Yes. And yeah, you should know who he is. The next one I had was Amy Smart, Mm -hmm. who she played uh, Julie Harbour, who was Paul Walker's sister in the movie. And also uh, played, we mentioned him earlier, James Vanderbeek, but he, uh, she played his uh, girlfriend. Girlfriend. Mm -hmm. The next one. I mentioned her before, but Allie Larder mm-hmm. played Darcy, who was Lance's girlfriend at the beginning of the movie. Yes. This was actually her film debut, apparently. Oh, wow. So, nice. her first film, yeah. I looked her up to see like what she was up to now, and I guess she's a reoccurring character on The Rookie with oh, okay. uh, Nathan Fillion. So, yeah. I mean, I've seen her a bunch of stuff over the years. She's yeah. in Heroes and... No, the Resident Evil movies. Yes. Yeah. No. I I'd seen her in a bunch of stuff, but I was just like, oh, I wonder what if she's what she do what she's doing now. Like and currently. I was like, oh, she's currently on a very successful television show. So. Yeah. She she Someone else we picked up on was Jesse Plemons. Yes. Who played Lance's brother? Which is funny that it was Lance's because he was on Friday Night Lights. He played Landry, and Kyle Chandler's coach Taylor character insisted on calling him lance Lance, yeah the entire series (laughs) so in friday night lights i mean i hope you guys have seen friday night lights because it's an excellent show but Mm -hmm. it's basically very similar to this movie set in texas football's everything the only difference is coach taylor a good coach and a likable human being yeah not a horrible horrible person yeah as we'll discuss later i'm sure and also jesse plemons married to Kristen Dunst. Yes. So he was so cute. He was so he was a little baby. Yeah, a little baby Jesse Plemons. The next person I noticed, he's not like super famous, but is an actor named Eric Jungman. He played Elliot. I think he only had one line, mm-hmm. but he was in not another teen movie. He played like the best friend of the 
what's that actress's name from Grey's Anatomy and Ky- Kyler Lay? Something she, like she that. played Little Grey. Yeah. On Grey's Anatomy, I think her name's Kyler Gray. Kyler Lay. Something Kyler like Lee. that. Yeah. Played her best friend, and he was almost like a ducky character. Yes. And he was also in True Blood, apparently, in an episode of True Blood. Oh. But I mostly recognize him from Not Another Teen Movie, which uh, Billy Bob was actually in. I think he basically plays the same character as yes. this one as in this movie, except that I think he had like an issue with concussions or something. But he he has. He essentially has CTE in this movie. Yeah, but they never talk about it. They show it. They show but it. But it's just, it's just as a consequence to what happens to Lance, basically. But my thing was, like, he's having issues with his head. Yes. He's trying... He told the nurse. The nurse agreed with him. The coach did not care. He had CTE to the point he was ready to kill himself. Well, yeah. But I think that also has something to do, and we can talk about it later, with just the expectations of a person that's a football player. Yeah. But who else did I have? That was the last person that I had. That was the last person I had, yeah. Uh, Billy Bob, I don't think we actually said his name, Ron Lister. Yes. And unfortunately, you had told me I didn't even realize that he passed away a few years ago. Yes, he did. But he was definitely in another team movie. Mm-hmm. And I think they made fun of it. Like, yeah. he's one concussion away from getting killed. And I thought that's what this movie was about. I almost didn't realize. They don't really approach it the same way in this movie. No. And you mentioned in that, and not another team movie, I do remember on the scoreboard, they had where they were keeping track of his the concussions. concussions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Ooh, stuff that wouldn't age well. <laughs> no. Do you want to move on? Yes. The next category is called, kids would call it a throwback. We call it the prime of our teens, where we talk about fashion, offensive jokes, or dated references, and there was some examples, so sit back and listen. Yes. Right off the bat on the fashion, I noticed a lot of the football players were wearing crop top jerseys and t-shirts, which I do know that was a popular thing in the 80s. They would wear short jerseys, and now, for some reason... The running back for the Cowboys thinks that's fashionable. We oh, get like it. during the abs. game? Yeah, during the game and in practices they were wearing them. Scott Kahn permanently was showing his midriff. <laughs> yeah. Well, I will say growing up where I did in the, in the late early 2000s, mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of the practice jerseys were cut like that, but not the... Not the game jerseys. No, not no. that I'm aware of. No. But yeah, I noticed him in the practice jersey and showing off his i guess abs yeah and he's a very short person so that had to be a small small jersey (laughs) (laughs) it was a child schmedium yes that's got con size um the first thing i noticed was a mox who is james vanderbeek's character is wearing carpenter jeans in the very beginning actually he kind of wears them throughout the movie Mm -hmm. to so they're really baggy and then it had that little um the little loop the little loop for a Basically a hammer. Uh, for a hammer. Yeah. Yes, that's exactly what that and is I for. And I remember when those were really popular. I'm guilty of having worn them. Oh, I'm sure. Yes. You were a white boy that grew up in the same era. Yeah. yeah, no, it was everybody was wearing these baggy jeans and him specifically with the carpenter style. Like, oh boy. Did you have anything else on um, fashion? We mentioned Mox. He has a little brother named Kyle. Yes. And they're kind of at a barbecue at one point where it's uh, the Harbor family and the Mox family hanging out. And he's there and he has these, they're kind of like knockoff Oakleys. But you have to think back to what Oakleys looked like in 1999. <laughs> 
So they're incredibly dated sunglasses. That's true. But yeah, that was, I think, the last set I really had. Um, I just noticed that Lance at that barbecue had a, a very fine plaid shirt. I mean, plaid shirts never go out of style, but no. the, this was like where the, bo- the boxes are very, very small. So there was a lot of plaid. Mm-hmm. And then he had it tucked into his baggy jeans. And that, to me, it's the, a good look. The tucking it in. Yeah. And then I noticed Tweeter, Scott Kahn, has highlights in his hair. Oh, yeah. They just scream late 90s. My brother was guilty of the old dyed tips on the hair. Yep. I've seen pictures. Mm -hmm. It looked good on him, though. Wink, wink. (laughs) No, it didn't. (laughs) Aw. Sorry, bud. What about offensive jokes or dated references? This movie starts, and the first thing you see is Mox's brother, Kyle, strapped to a cross. He's eccentric. Yeah. And he, at one point, is dressed as Malcolm X, and he starts a cult. This kid is like 11 years old. I'm really glad they went against the... He dressed like Malcolm X, but they're like, let's not put him in blackface. Oh, God. Because, honestly, that was the only thing this movie was missing. It really... Yeah. (sighs) One of the first lines that Tweeter says, in case you didn't know Tweeter's character, Scott Kahn, he's kind of the comedic relief of the team but he's that overly annoying always talking about women i feel like he's overcompensating a little bit maybe he doesn't get as much play as he usually he likes to let on yeah he really likes to overcompensate but he's telling the guys in the truck that he's so horny he's about to fuck billy bob's pig whose name is bacon yeah and that was just the start of the amazing things tweeter said yeah he he was uh he was something. Yeah. He did sing at a party. He was walking around singing, "She broke my heart, so I broke her jaw." Yes. While holding a plastic baseball bat. I also wondered, is that a real song? Because I feel like it could be. Or did he just make that up? It could be. It's a good question. I don't know. Uh, another thing he said was, "Just give them a Percocet, two Valium, and a bottle of beer, and their panties will drop." I will say, though, he said this to Mox when Mox was having some trouble with his girlfriend, Julie. Mm -hmm. I will say Mox followed up with, do you think you'll like jail? (laughs) Or do you think you'll like prison? Yes. Which I'm glad they at least put that in there because this whole time I'm thinking Tweeter is this walking over the top masculine. He's just prime bait for the Me Too movement. Oh, my God. Yeah. If he was a real person, there's no way he would... Yeah. Come out of that unscathed. Do you think Scott Kahn has watched this in the last, like, five years and went, holy crap, this guy was part of the problem? Yeah, but I I try to take it with a grain of salt because, in a way, this movie is 20 years old, so you can say it is a period piece now. Yeah. We can look back and watch a movie from the 60s and see a guy, like, slap a woman on the ass and be like, well, that's just the way it was back then. And that's kind of what this movie, it's like, that's just the way it was. And yeah. Honestly, I don't know if much has changed with football players and the way they talk about girls and sex, you know? Yeah, that's true. That is true. I would hope a little bit's changed. One that I caught was Billy Bob before the first football game that they show in the movie. He's kind of praying and he's talking about how he walked through the valley of the shadow of the death and he didn't fear no, I won't say the word, it's a derogatory term about homosexuals from being bill which is the city they were playing's team 
Yeah. And that word doesn't age well at any point. It it came and went. Yeah. And when it, because it was so early in the film, I was like, oh, great. I better leave a lot of space for more gay jokes. But surprisingly, the only one that I noticed. Yeah. Just... Shockingly, in a f- movie about oversexed and overprivileged football players. No, and exactly how you mentioned this was early and the stuff with that tweeter said was really early. So I was expecting, oh, this is going to roll downhill really bad, but it, it kind of subsided for me. It wasn't too bad after that, but boy, they come out swinging to start yeah, the movie. For sure. Did you have any more? Um, I just had that Coach Kilmer at one point is just yelling at Billy Bob because he's crying. He's a sensitive guy. And, and that's also another effect of CTE. Yes. But he calls him fat multiple times and just calls him a piece of shit. Just makes him feel like the shittiest person. And he blames him. So basically, if you haven't seen this movie, Lance, who is Paul Walker, he's the star quarterback. He's everything. There's a billboard of him in his yard. He's going to Florida State to be the starting quarterback. At the time, Florida State was the top football program. That's going to Alabama now. Okay. Yeah, that's elite. And Billy Bob, obviously, like you said, has some symptoms of CT, mm-hmm. and he still forces him to play. He passes out, which means that Lance gets sacked, breaks his leg. I think, yeah, I think he tore his knee up yeah. really bad. Because his knee already has injuries, and he, they've been injecting him with God knows what. They Pain never killers say. and yeah. steroids. Something probably. that's not legal. Yeah. And the coach blames billy bob for it when in fact it's actually the coach's fault because he forces numerous players to play with injuries Mm -hmm. he forces the quarterback to play when he has an injury so it's just like unsafe practice everywhere yeah but then he makes this 17 year old or 18 year old kid feel bad for his his teammate getting hurt exactly when it's clearly the coach's fault then he just sits there and calls him a fat piece of shit and a lazy piece of shit and it's just it's hard to watch What's insane is when I watch the movie and I see the way Coach Kilmer is, I think back to that's how coaching was. Mm -hmm. Bobby Knight, Woody Hayes, they were these menacing creatures that were horrible. And then I kind of picked up on in the last month, I think, there's been about six coaches in the NHL fired. And the resounding reason is bullying. It's insane because they just passed a rule in the NHL that they won't tolerate this. And there's been multiple coaches fired in the last four weeks because of that. So it's like, it seems like in football, it's not really tolerated as much. The belittling your players the way he is in this movie. But I'm like, apparently it still runs rampant in hockey. And I don't doubt that it still slides by in some other sports. I'm sure. Especially he's very successful. He wins. So they tolerate that shit. Yeah, he can basically get away with anything. And so can the players. Yeah. Because they're winning. Exactly. It's insane, but it is very realistic to me. Mm-hmm. Do you want to move on? Yes. Our, our next category is where we break down technology. Uh, what pieces did you pick up on that were uh, dated and don't age well? The only piece of technology I noticed was they're at a party. It's right after the first game that they show in the movie. And Billy Bob has this huge camcorder. It wasn't even... I think it was seemed a little outdated for the time of the movie. It was yeah. like a full v, uh, VHS camcorder. And they're filming the party. And 
tweeter stops this guy who is clearly older than everybody else. And he asks him, like, oh, why are you here, basically? And he's like, class of 1980. Yes. I always come to parties. He's 36 years old, hanging out at a high school party. Wearing his Letterman jacket. Yep. They, they fuck with him a little bit. But... Oh, God, yeah, they should. Uh, did you notice any? Later in that very scene at that party, Billy Bob is playing a drinky game with Amy Smart. They're playing quarters, and she beats him in the game. So he has to take a shot, and it does not agree with him. So he's running to look for somewhere to throw up, and he vomits into a very, very old washing machine, which should be noted while he's doing this next to him, Paul Walker and Allie Larder are having sex on the dryer. So that... Well, they stopped when he came They did in. stop. They were a little alarmed, but the appliances were quite dated. Yeah. Yeah. Again, but that was kind of it. 20-year-old movie. Yeah. Um, I did have some notes on the soundtrack. Just some Green Day, Foo Fighters. There was even a Fastball song. Yeah. Yeah, there was some good songs. Uh, Van Halen, Hot for Teacher, because obviously their teacher is a stripper on the side. I feel like that's so probably real. And the way teachers get paid. Also, a little ACDC thunderstruck. <laughs> and to that, one of our listeners should probably go rewatch the movie and do a thunderstruck challenge just for us. In the middle of your workday, probably. In your, exactly, in the middle of your workday. Maybe wait till you're done with work, but then do the thunderstruck challenge for us, Daniel. <laughs> He's going to be like, you told me to do it. <laughs> oh. Um, did you have anything else? Uh, there was the Collective Soul song. Oh, run, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, I did catch an Offspring song as well. There was some good songs on there. But yeah. then some also ones you're like, uh, maybe Fastball doesn't need to be on your soundtrack. It's a little dated. Yeah. I feel like no 90s movie movie got away from not having a Collective Soul song in there. Yeah. Soundtrack. Yeah, definitely. Collective Soul was uh, big in that time period. Very much so. Mm-hmm. Our next category is called Is It Even Good? Where we talk about the plot and plot holes. And then we name our funniest and cringiest moments of this film. The plot. The plot. What do you think about that? Uh, There was parts of it that were believable. The whole quarterback getting injured and the backup coming in and leading them to a championship. It's believable. But then there was a lot of stuff that kind of encounter. It's very Hollywoodized during the movie. That isn't very believable. I do think that realistically for Mox to just right out the gate be really good when he doesn't really get a lot of practice time, the coach hates him Yeah. for I don't know what reason. Other than he does read books during football games, which yeah. I can't really get mad at the coach for being mad at that because you're supposed to be paying attention even if you are sitting on the bench. But yeah, he just starts winning right right off the bat. His natural talent is so good that it doesn't matter if he practices or... And he's there reluctantly. He's there because his dad is making him, basically. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah, the whole immediately comes in, throws like a 40-yard pass, and they win the game. It's not very believable. I'm not saying it couldn't happen, but yeah, it was a little... There should be some sort of adjustment period. Yeah. I'm not saying he's got to come in and throw an interception, but the idea that he just comes in here, let me chuck this out there. There we go. Like, come on. And then everybody's like, Lance who? That's the other part, was the immediately forgetting about the guy who's going to the number one football program and nobody caring about him. Exactly. Yeah. 
I think the most believable part about this plot was the coach doing pretty much anything that needs to be done to win. Yes. Constantly putting his players in danger. And there are several consequences to his actions throughout the movie, but it's just insane to me that somebody could do that, but also believable because I have seen people yeah. take sports way too seriously. And like we said, as long as they're winning, it's tolerated. Right. It's gotten better, but coaches were just monsters to these. And at this point, they're kids, and that's what's disturbing. But at the same time, like you said, it happens. I also, there's also like a B plot of, not even a B plot, but you get the sense that these players are really untouchable. They can do whatever they want. Tweeter at one point steals a cop car, drives around. That was my big plot hole and doesn't get in trouble for it he was a walking plot hole yeah that guy steals a cop car that's a felony you're getting locked up nobody's gonna go oh it's just tweeter that's cute when they won the game at the end he's on the field drinking beer no doesn't happen that way bud they don't drink beer on the field in the nfl that's true but what about texas I'm just <laughs> hey no that's that's very true. That's a, that's a good plot hole. Yeah. Did you have any other plot holes? That was the only one that I had. Uh, just Scott Kahn, walking plot hole. <laughs> and I called him a walking offensive joke. Yes. Everything that came out of his mouth was offensive. Yeah. To somebody. Basically, I guess the only other plot hole that I have that we didn't talk about was how quickly Mox, who they set it up like he's smart. He's probably going to Brown on full scholarship. He doesn't really like football. He's only playing it because his dad wants him to. Mm -hmm. It takes him two games for his ego to get out of control because, yeah. again, everybody's forgotten Lance all of a sudden. Lance's girlfriend. She forgot about him on the ride home from the hospital the minute he got hurt. Yes. That's how quickly she was on to Mox. Yeah. And then the coach at one point is just like, well, you're no, you're no good to me anymore. Mm-hmm. Even though early in the movie, he was like, he's my star player. And even when he got hurt for a second, he was like, yeah, he'll he'll be fine. And Mox isn't going to go anywhere because he hated Mox for some reason. Yeah. Even though Mox is good from the get-go, he hated him. But yeah, his Mox's ego got out of control real quick. But then he like tamed it back down. Mm -hmm. That's because true. I think he realized a lot of the stuff that he was getting comes with strings. And, mm -hmm. and he had, luckily, a level-headed girlfriend who tried to bring him back down to earth. Who yeah. is, one would say, maybe too good for him. Agreed. <laughs> oh, also, I guess it's just a minor plot hole, but at one point, him and Julie are kind of on the rocks. He goes to her work at a drive-in to talk to her and to get him to stop talking. She announces that he's there, and the star quarterback's here, and all these people crowd around him, and they're like, nice to meet you. And I'm like, you grew up in a very small town. All those people at that drive-in know you why are they acting like you're some sort of new celebrity that just came into town yeah they're a 3a school yeah i believe in arizona we now have 6a damn 3a is tiny yeah everybody in that town knows you pretty much yeah so that didn't make sense no and then also at the end of the movie everybody on the team has pretty much had it with coach kilmer mm -hmm. and his questionable tactics for winning and they basically stage a mutiny and he's ousted very quickly and he just leaves and his coaches don't 
try to come to his defense. And the second half of the game, Lance is coaching. One of the assistant coaches wouldn't take over that position, I feel like, in real life. Yeah, Lance and the running back, uh, Wendell. Yeah. Who got hurt in the first half, which is the start of why they oust Bud Kilmer. Nobody wants to play him because he's trying to get uh, Wendell to take a shot and get back in the game, even though he clearly ripped his knee to shreds. Yeah. And that's an excellent point. He has an offensive coordinator, defense coordinator. He, he has other coaches that would have stepped in. They just ousted Kilmer. Let's give it to this 18-year-old. Yeah. So it didn't make sense. But, no. But I guess for movie sake. Hollywood. Yeah. What was your funniest moment or line? We kind of talked about a couple of them. I did love when Mox asked Tweeter if he thought he would enjoy prison. Yeah, that, that was, was one of mine. pretty funny. But I liked, there was a couple instances where during football games, they were out of timeouts and they needed to stop the clock, which in the NFL, what you do is you call, the quarterback calls Hut and he throws the ball at the ground and spikes it. But in this movie, Mox twice dropped back and chucked the ball at the opposing team's mascot. Yeah. And it was very well done. Both times he did it. It was pretty funny. I had one of those instances the first time he does it Mm -hmm. as my funniest line or moment because right before that scene they're at that barbecue yeah and the two dads lance's dad and mox's dad are might as well have just whipped out their dicks exactly because they were having a my son's better than your contest even though mox at that point doesn't play there's no competition but lance's dad just loves pointing out like my son's the star quarterback and it was funny because Mox and Lance, Our you friends. can tell, are very good friends. Mm-hmm. They might not be best friends, but they're really good friends. Mox is dating Lance's sister. The families seem to get along, but the dads, you can tell they've had a few drinks. And exactly, they might as well have whipped them out and had a dick competition. So they both have their sons throw footballs at a beer can on their heads. Mm-hmm. And Lance, being a really good quarterback, hits the can. Perfect. The dad gloats. Yeah. Then it's Mox's turn and his dad's yelling at him. It's a very dramatic, weird moment. Mm-hmm. And he hits him square in the nose. And I will say that was exactly what he wanted to do. Yes, because that's that. my funniest moment was <laughs> when his dad is at the game and Mox throws the ball at the mascot uh-huh. and sees that, oh, my kid has perfect aim. <laughs> his face when he realized, oh, because he touches his nose like, he fucking did that on purpose. <laughs> And to be honest, your dad kind of deserved it. Oh, he did. Oh, he did. He was kind of a dick. Oh, definitely. What was your cringiest, other than any time Tweeter was talking? (laughs) The whole storyline with Billy Bob and what we now know about CTE, that was cringy to watch down to where he's at. He drops his pig off. He drops bacon off at Mox's house. And Mox's little brother walks in with the pig and said... Billy Bob just dropped this off and said you would know what to do with it. And to Mox's credit, he knew he's not in a good place. And he went out there. And I thought actually Ron Lister did a really good job of having a breakdown at the football stadium. And you can tell he wants to kill himself. And the fact that the coach just cares more about winning and just, like you said, he is pushing him out there. And he's the reason Paul Walker's Lance gets hurt, not Billy Bob. No. So that whole... Everything that had to do with that character, I thought, was very cringy. Just because it was hard to watch? Yeah. It doesn't age well at all, but also, nobody gave a shit about CTE until a few years ago. The NFL vaguely cares about it now. 
Well, it's it would hurt their business, so they can't really care about it. Exactly. They play dumb to it. Yeah. I actually... It's funny because I just talked about the barbecue scene, but that's actually my cringiest moment because the way they edited it, they did like this really zoom in on Mox when his dad's like, throw the ball at me, and then... The other dad's yelling, and it's just really dramatic when it's kind of just like a lighthearted yeah. barbecue. Mm-hmm. And I just thought the way they edited was really bad and cringy. They did that weird thing where it was Lance's dad making fun of Mox and Lance's brother and his mom. The way the camera was one person was shot dead on, another person was shot talking from the left, another person shot from the right, and it was real snap. Almost cuts. like a nightmare. Like, yeah. a lot of movies and TV shows would do, like, you're having a bad dream and then people are laughing at you. Exactly. Yeah. It was really poorly done. I agree. Yeah. I agree. Very cringy. So I have some notes. Oh, boy, do I. I'm sure we uh, already talked about some of them, but uh, what was your first one that you wanted to discuss? The first thing that uh, the pep rally for the first game that we get to see, uh, I thought John Voigt, it does, he was such a over-the-top coach in that scene. But more importantly, when Paul Walker addressed the school, it seemed like he was doing his best, best Matthew McConaughey impression. And also, he was the most at-ease guy to stand in front of a school and talk to all these people. He was so cocky, but then also not... He wasn't a dick about it. No. Which I... That's what I did like about his character was... He could have been a dick easily because you're pretty much have all these people telling you you're amazing, you're the best, you're a god, mm-hmm. you can get away with anything. But he actually took it pretty well and yeah. was a good star quarterback or king of the school in a way. Definitely. The one thing I noted, it's a little almost traumatizing for me, but was the dads all hanging out at the practice really just brought back memories of I was a football manager mm-hmm. in high school And there was always just a group of dads that would just sit there, especially at games, and just yell at the coach during the game, because apparently they knew better. Mm -hmm. And it was just so annoying, because I remember my senior year, my coach literally hating every second that any of the dads were behind him yelling at him. Yeah. Because it's like, do you want to do this job? Do you want to come here and have all this pressure of trying to win? No, I agree with you 100% on the dads at the practice yeah. that was definitely that's something that went on out here i mean it's it's you're supporting your child and i think that's great but i think it's almost a cliche but it's very true to life that dads put a large pressure on their sons to be athletic to be yep. into sports and it's to the point where it's a little toxic extremely toxic but especially in this movie that's some extremes in this movie, but mm-hmm. uh, what was your next one you wanted to talk about? We talked about when Lance gets injured and they cut to his dad in the crowd and his dad says, Lord, don't do this to me. But it's not out of concern for his son's health and that his son's hurt and he's, oh my God, I hope he's okay. It's, man, there went my meal ticket. Basically, yeah. That's yeah. how I took it. And I'm like, that's so shitty that it's just an older bearing father. But it happens. I agree. There was a, a quarterback. He played on the Raiders. He actually got to the NFL and he played on the Raiders. But his dad was so over the top, he tied his arm, uh, his right arm behind his back when he was a baby. So he would become left-handed. Jesus. 
he wasn't allowed to eat McDonald's or anything. They called him the robo quarterback. To the point, guess what happened when he got to the NFL? He became a drug addict and an alcoholic and everything else because everything he could never do growing up, he finally was able to do because he was an adult. Yeah. Like, he's a walking example of how not to treat your child. Yeah, don't treat your child like you're training them to be your meal ticket. Yeah. Plain and simple. Exactly. We've talked about it. There's a lot of masculine tropes, Mm -hmm. cliches. It's definitely a bro-type film, but if it couldn't get any more bro, they go to a strip club. Of course. As teenagers. Mm -hmm. I I will say, though, where I grew up, small town, there is a lot of leniency on checking your ID at the local bars. Oh, absolutely. Especially for star quarterbacks. To me, it doesn't, that's not surprising at all. Yeah. But then at the strip club, they see the teacher, like you said, the thing not believable, her having a beer with them, because that's super awkward. I'd just be like, okay, I'm out. Yeah. When she's on stage and she realizes her students are there, she has this look of panic. But the minute she's off stage, she's down there like toasting with them. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, that's not believable. You would have ran out of there and like whore. And you yeah. should. Ugh. I took issue with the Hollywood Hollywoodization of football mm-hmm. in general. It seemed like every play someone was being flipped into the air, whether it was a block or somebody going for a tackle and they're literally doing a full flip. It happens in football. It's not very common, but in this, it happened on every play. And then the other thing was there was a crap load of taunting. When guys would score a touchdown, they would be taunting the other team. One guy did a break dance and was doing a spin a like he's Booker T from the WWE. You can't do that in high school football. It's a penalty. You can barely do that in NFL without them. If you spike a football in high school football, it's a penalty. But they're like, ah, who cares? Football in high school, high school football is not that dramatic no uh with the flips and stuff there's some good hits yeah it happens yeah but it that's true and then also kind of the ending when they do end up winning the game i almost think that's a little cliche because i think now we're in this this different kind of genre of movies where we're like sometimes you don't win and you know that's okay you know what was funny was you mentioned them winning um they do the hook and ladder play to win the game And earlier in the movie, they run it in practice, and Billy Bob tells them it's an illegal play. I would be an illegal man downfield. Yeah. And and Mox is like, it's okay, it's just practice. But then they do it in the game, and I'm like, you already told all of us earlier in the movie that this wouldn't be allowed. It'd be penalized, and the game's over. So So they shouldn't have won. Yeah. I thought it was very funny. Like, the play's allowed, but he, as a lineman, can't run downfield like that. Yeah. You you told us it. Also, to go back to how shitty Mox's dad is. Uh-huh. So later in the movie, Mox gets a letter from Brown that says he gets a full yes. scholarship. Not for football. For no. academic. Mm-hmm. And all his dad wants to do is talk about the football game that night. Yeah. And that's so shitty. Yeah. And he's probably mad that he's not going to play football. I mean, he could easily try out for the team. Oh, absolutely. But... It's just, it's so shitty that you, he like undercut his kid's success by going, well, it's not about football, so I don't fucking care. My kid got into an Ivy League school on a full ride scholarship. I don't have to pay a dollar to send him to an Ivy League school. And he didn't give two shits. Nope. Did you have anything else? Uh, Just at the very end during the game, the scoreboard kept having the wrong score up. Oh, yeah. Which I was like, you just told us it's 17 to 7. And every time... Mox and the coyotes are driving downfield. You can see the scoreboard in the background say 17 to 14. 
I will say that's always my knock with older movies is the continuity of scenes that I think a lot of movies try to do really well now. Yes. But older ones are really, really bad. Yeah, I remember one of the comments when you would take the studio tour at Universal Studios when I was a kid, they would point out continuity issues to the point that I think it's in the movie Parenthood. Uh Uh-huh. It's set, we'll say, in Illinois, but you see every car in the movie has a California license plate. Which I think is an, should be an easy fix. Exactly. It's an easy fix and it wouldn't cost much, but they're like, oh, who cares? Nobody will notice. Oh, people notice. Oh, and especially do. nowadays with the internet, mm-hmm. there's a place for people to tell people. What is the movie with Mila Kunis and Justin Timberlake? Is it uh, Friends with Benefits? Yeah, where they make fun of it, where there's a rom com with Jason Siegel and I think Emily Blunt or something like oh, that. Oh, I think it's um Rashida Jones. Rashida Jones, and yeah, they're like, oh, it's New York, but you see palm trees and yeah. stuff, and they just make fun of it. I always think of uh, Gilmore Girls. Sometimes you can see the back of the set in Stars Hollow because it's filmed in California, but mm-hmm. it's set in Connecticut, and you can see that it's super sunny. Yes, and. You can see palm trees and mountains yeah. and stuff that would just wouldn't fit with no. Connecticut. So yeah, it's clearly the Warner Brothers lot. But yeah, yeah, and it's um, also fun because when we've been watching movies and we'll pick up on like in La La Land, uh, the studio that Emma Stone works, we're like, oh, that's Gilmore Girls set right there. Right. Yeah. I I always get excited when I see something that's filmed on that same set mm-hmm. i think Cardo dixie was filmed on that, that same set but they changed a lot but oh. they still had the gazebo oh okay they decorated it a little differently but it still was like a main focus of the town nice so um do you want to move on to our awards yes as always on ruining our childhood it's award season we give out two awards every week first of which is a valedictorian to the nicholas cage online school of bad acting who did you give your award to it was no contest for me. The minute this guy opened his mouth, I knew he was going to be my, my pick. Was a actor named by Richard Lineback. Uh-huh. He played Joe Harbour, who is Lance's dad, because he was so over the top. Mm-hmm. And I realized after I started writing it down, because like I said, very quick into the movie, I was like, nope, this guy, nope. Everything this guy does sounds horrible. Mm-hmm. He's actually not really in much of the movie after no. Lance gets hurt. Mm-hmm. But he repeatedly taunts Mox's dad. And to me, it's like, you already won. Your son's already the star quarterback. Why are you belittling somebody else? Yeah. I don't know. They must have had animosity in high school or something. But that would make sense if they were both. Obviously, Mox's dad was an ex-player because sure. Kilmer talked about how your dad was a good player and was tough and you're not. But And then just that whole barbecue scene, again... His laugh was so obnoxious, and he just when you like you said he said, "Lord, don't do this to me." When his son gets hurt, mm-hmm. and I was glad he wasn't in the rest of the movie after Lance's injury because he was just way over the top, and just I wanted to punch him. It's awful that it you know like we mentioned, Mox and Lance are good friends, but it's their parents that have to get in there and cause unnecessary BS between them. Stupid parents. Yeah, who was your pick? I gave it to Ali Larder as the cheerleader Darcy, and it's not so much a knock on Ali Larder's acting as whoever wrote the character went, let's hit every uh, stereotype of a cheerleader. She has to date this quarterback 
to the point when the quarterback gets hurt, she's got to immediately try to hook up with the backup quarterback who's now going to be the starter. I just thought the character was incredibly poorly developed and was just every crappy stereotype of a cheerleader. Where she's just using her body. Yeah. But they do, I will say they have that scene right after, which I didn't remember because I think the only thing people remember from this movie, and I said it before we watched the movie Mm -hmm. at the beginning of the podcast episode, was the bikini, the whipped cream bikini, which was actually shaving cream trivia. (laughs) Trivia alert. Thank you. Because apparently whipped cream doesn't stay very well on your body. Because it probably melts because it is made of milk, whereas shaving cream... Yeah, and a shaving cream made to lather and stay on your face, yeah. But when Mock says, yeah, I'm not going to sleep with you, even though he totally was going there to do that, by the way. He went and bought condoms. Or I should say, Malcolm X, his little brother, bought the condoms for him. He made Kyle buy condoms. He has a sit-down with her, and he basically is like, you, you don't need to use sex. You can, you're smart. You can get out of this town on your own. Yeah. You don't need to latch on to the first available meal ticket, which it's shitty that she couldn't come to that realization herself. She had to have the guy tell her that, but yeah. there was a little bit of a redemption there because then after that, she wasn't really an issue. That's true. She wasn't overly throwing herself onto people, but I, I, I don't blame you for picking her. Do you want to move on to the Thomas J. Hanks Award for Exceptional Acting? Who did you give yours to? I gave it to John Voight as Bud Kilmer. He was scary and terrifying, but I know that's what they were going for. But like I said, at the same time, I don't know how this was acceptable. He literally chokes Mox when Mox refuses to go out on the field with him in the second half because he's like, no, you're out of control. And what's insane, this movie came out in 1999. The next year, Bobby Knight gets fired from Indiana for doing that shit. Somehow, he this movie was a, I don't know what the word I'm looking for, like a prequel to what's going to happen to Bobby Knight. Yeah. But like you said, it's probably happened it wasn't, in history of sports. Yeah. But I thought John Voight was excellent in he this. He was good. He was really good. But man, just, it's crazy. I had a I had a couple picks, some early picks, but I, I ended up giving it to Ron Lester, Billy Bob, because like you said, his storyline was kind of devastating, a little cringy to watch just knowing the history of, of the injuries and mm-hmm. knowing what we know now 20 years later. But just the fact that he was on that field and he was really emotional and I thought I thought Ron did like a really good job conveying that and just like the pressures that these kids have the pressure that's been on them since they were kids like he talks about how when they were like in peewee football there was that pressure to be good the their whole life is this and then the reason he hits this point is because coach Kilmer kicks him off the team Mm -hmm. and he doesn't know what to do because his whole life is football and he struggles with the guilt of feeling like he got his quarterback injured his friend he was easily my second pick because they treat him as comic relief during a lot of scenes when they go to the strip club he gets up on the stage and takes off his clothes but then during that scene where he has the breakdown on the field he was extremely convincing and very emotional and just an excellent actor in that scene I also think out of all the characters, especially the male characters, he was the least shitty. Yeah. He didn't really necessarily demean women. He didn't 
go out of his way to be like horribly mean to anybody else. Mm-hmm. He was just kind of there. But yeah, just that scene where he's on the field and he's shooting his trophies and he just doesn't know what to do with his life now. Yeah. And it's just sad that an 18 year old feels that way. And I was just kind of thinking how it's sad that when people talk about this movie, they remember Paul Walker, they remember Vanderbeek, but they don't remember the actual guy who's a young kid in the movie who's actually does a really good job. Vanderbeek and Walker don't do a good job in this movie. They both do shitty Texas accents the whole movie. James Vanderbeek's accent was pretty... If this movie came out today, you would think they just watched McConaughey-Lincoln commercials and went, all right, all right, all right, this is what we're going to do for an hour and a half. To be fair, McConaughey is a very famous Texan. That's true. But But... when McConaughey's in movies, with the exception of Dazed and Confused, where he's literally playing himself, he does not act like that. That's true. Yeah. But I will say, the scene where Paul Walker is still in the hospital, he's listening to the radio interview of John Moxon and everybody's praising Mox because he's took over and he like has tears in his eyes. And I thought that like that was very convincing. And yeah, because he's kind of in that same situation. He's like, what am I going to do now? This has been my whole life. And now I don't have a backup plan. That is true. So I thought he was good at that. But so now we can answer. Does this movie hold up? What do you think? I don't think it did. I had it in my head. It wasn't so much of a comedy, but I think they tried to. All the scenes that didn't involve football, Mm -hmm. like in an actual game, was trying to be a crappy teen sex comedy. And I think they fall short. It's not very funny. The football scenes were okay and stuff like that. And there was some good acting, but I just don't think it's a very good movie. Okay. You think it was a good movie? It was better than what I expected. And because I came in opposite of you thinking it was going to be shitty. The thing that it's watchable. I enjoyed watching it. I thought the acting was good. The characters were good. Mm -hmm. I I think there's some messages in there, like the high expectations of fathers. I think it is watchable, though, and I thought it was a decent film with decent actors. I just think that a lot of the things, like you said, the trying to make it into like a teen sex comedy... That fell short because that's really dated now. Yeah. I think the overall plot of this guy having to fill in for the star quarterback and take over and him having to deal with expectations of the team and having to deal with this coach who's clearly a monster. I think that's a good movie and I think that that was fine. But overall, I think it was it was a decent movie. So I'm going to say it holds up because I think I could go back and watch it again. It's not going to be like at the top of my list, but I think it's a watchable film. I think after hearing you kind of break it down, I agree with you. I think part of the issue was I went in expecting a good movie, so I was disappointed. You went in expecting a poor movie, you were surprised. Yeah. And I agree with you. I would rewatch it. Because I think overall the the plot was good. Yeah. There was some misses in there, but I think for the most part, James Vanderbeek was convincing as an 18-year-old person. Yeah. And he has that dopey look in his eyes. (laughs) And Dawson. Oh, Dawson. Yeah, it's just the amount of cliches of and just the over masculinity kind of dates it. Yeah, and... Toxic masculinity ruins the day, <laughs> I believe is what Karen and George on My Favorite Murder say. Yes. Yes. So we kind of agreed, but kind of disagreed. Yeah. Yeah. The Thanks. end. The end. Thank you for listening and making us part of your week. As always, we ask you to hit us up on social media over at Twitter at ROC Movie Podcast. Yeah. And Facebook at 
ruining our childhood. And also on Instagram at ruining our childhood. Yeah. Next week, we'll, uh, I'm going to have a little something something for you guys. So mm-hmm. definitely listen. That sounds weird. I was going to say, are you bringing them drugs? <laughs> <laughs> and also next week, we're going to hit you with some Die Hard. Yes. That's so. also a thing we're doing. Yes. I'm excited. We just finished Harry Potter, and I was just thinking about how much Ellen Rickman we partake in on Christmas. Yes. Because we got Love Actually. Mm-hmm. Harry Potter and motherfucking Hans Gruber. Yeah. So. He's like the king of Christmas. Yes, he Ellen is. Rickman. Yeah. R.I.P., man. R.I.P. All right. Well, thanks for listening, guys, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.